Several people have said this to us. I hope it's a real time of refreshing for you, okay, which is lovely. I love that word, refresh, okay? Um, And I want to think a little bit about what that means this morning, refresh. I wonder if you feel tired and weary and are in need of refreshing. I think that if you are a teacher, if you work anywhere in schools or education, you'll be know that it's half-term coming up, okay? It feels that way, doesn't it? Sometimes we need refreshing. What I'd like you to do is just turn to the person next to you, have a little chat. What do you do to refresh and re-energize? What gives you your energy back again? Okay, couple of seconds, just chat to each other. Okay, great. Right. Lots of chatter. Lots of chatter going on. Okay. Um, What kind of things do we do to refresh? Uh, What do we do to refresh? Awesome. Pardon? Have a swim. Yeah. A good shower to refresh yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You eat. Nice. I'm with you on that one, Jan. That's a good one. Anything else? Nap, have a little nap in the afternoon, maybe a little power nap. Do you have little naps, little power naps? Some people, you know, nap. Some people exercise to refresh and revigor themselves. Some people eat. So all sorts of different things people do to re-energize and refresh themselves. We use the word refresh for all sorts of things. If we decide to say our, our walls look a bit tired, don't they? They need a refresh of paint at home. Sometimes we repaint the house. Nathan's been doing that this week. Um, you have fresh things going on. Sometimes if you in a hot sunny day and you go in the sea, you want to go in the cold sea and you come out and you say, oh, that was so refreshing, don't you? Because you like to be refreshed. Well, the word refreshed is the perfect word to also describe starting again or returning to something that you used to do, to refresh something. You know, it's a word that we often use when we're working actually on our computers or our laptops, okay? We say we have to refresh the page. Do you know, when I'm working on my laptop and I leave it for a while, it's a bit old and a bit, but I love it. I love my laptop. Don't go near my laptop. Okay, um, I love it, but it's old. And when I walk away from my laptop, it freezes. Okay, the screen sticks and I have to like come back and refresh it. Sometimes it's completely stuck and I need to do a complete reboot. Okay, um, it needs more than a refresh. It needs a complete reboot. And I think that's a little bit like our Christian lives our faith lives. Sometimes we need a total reboot, okay? We need to go back to the start and think, what it was it about Jesus that I fell in love with, the person of Jesus right at the start? And other times we just need a bit of refreshing because we've just got a bit tired and we need a bit of refreshing. Well, Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's what he says in Matthew 11. Jesus says he is the source of our refreshing and our rest. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said to the people in Acts, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Times of refreshing may come from God. And the word refresh means to give new strength, to reinvigorate, okay? So it's not just like a, feeling. It should be a re-energizing, a reinvigorating, a new excitement, a new passion again for God. We're just 
three weeks away now from our first Fast Forward Sunday. Okay, three weeks away, woo-woo, from our first Fast Forward Sunday. And I believe it's so important that not just those of us who are fortunate enough to be going off on holiday, but for all of us to be refreshed in this next few weeks, ready to be invigorated, to be re-energized, to be excited about what God is going to do, excited about the days which lie ahead. Where do we go to find that refreshing? Where do we go over these next few weeks to have that refreshing ready for this new thing that God is doing? Is it binge watching Netflix and lying on our sofa? Okay, that's what lots of us might do to refresh ourselves. Um, Maybe that will give us some rest and our bodies a bit of physical rest. But actually, refreshing is only found in God himself. Refreshing is only found in God himself. So this morning, I want us to look at three ways to be refreshed and to be re-energized, okay? Firstly, we need to be refreshed in the word of God. I know we know it, but it's so difficult, isn't it? We need to be refreshed in the word of God through the Bible, through what God is saying to us through scripture. I was challenged by the uh, Wednesday Bible mornings Bible study this week. You know, God is doing something really exciting in that group on a Wednesday morning. It's literally like a little congregation now. It's grown to 18 people, and it's really exciting to see what God is doing. And when people come out of that group on a Wednesday morning, come back into the cafe, I know they've encountered Jesus. You can see that they've encountered Jesus in a new way. And someone said to me this week, the greatest thing about the Wednesday morning group is that they're hungry for the word of God. Everyone is hungry for the word of God. So I'm going to ask Jean to come out. (laughs) Jean's coming out this morning. And... uh, Mighty woman of God. Um, Come on, Jean. And I'm just going to ask you to share a little bit about what's going on because it's so exciting. Come on up here. Yeah, and talk about your, can you get, talk about your love of the word of God because that challenges me all the time. I wish you wouldn't do this to me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, First of all, she said, would I speak about my love of the Bible? And all I can say to you is about 35, 40 years ago, My son had an accident, and it was so bad, he was rushed to England. And I was really, really worried, and I prayed, and I'd never prayed before. And the only way I could pray was to say the Lord's Prayer, which I'd learned. And I prayed, and at the end of the prayer, I thought, I'm going to read the Bible. And I scrambled up to the top of the wardrobe and found the old school Bible, opened it to the New Testament, and started to read it. And those of you that are familiar with Matthew 1, you know it's the most boring chapter in the whole of the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so that was that's where I started Um, but I kept my promise I promised God that if he made Adrian better I would read my Bible for the rest of my life and so I carried on reading and within about three weeks he was back home all wired up but he recovered and was well but I carried on reading my Bible night after night I'd open it read a little bit put it back down and so it went on And the more I read, the more I began to quite enjoy it. There were bits I remembered from school that we'd had. We used to have scripture lessons, and I used to, I thought, I remember these bits. And I went on and on. By the time I got to Romans, 
I decided really I needed to find out a bit more about this book which I was reading. And so I started coming here. And that's where it came. And I promised I'd read the Bible every day. And I've never stopped. And I fell in love with it, really fell in love with the Bible. Because the more I read, the more God spoke to me. I didn't realize it was God speaking to me. But it became, all the word became alive. And so I would, I would say to you, just read your Bible and let God speak to you. You'll know when he speaks to you because it becomes special. You get a new understanding of what it's all about. And I've been privileged in the last three years to help Anne in this Wednesday morning group. And I'll just share something that happened this Wednesday. Um, one of the ladies brought a friend to this group, and this friend has been coming for three weeks. And at the end of this uh, Wednesday, he's, he came, I went to speak to him, and I said, I was sorry, we've been crushed. We've had the sewing ladies this side, and we were in a little group at the back, and it was quite a difficult morning to, to, to you know, I just thought, I don't know if people have listened to what I've been saying. And I was, and he said, no, no, no. He said, I really enjoyed it. And he had a Bible open. And he said, I want to know more about all this in here. And he was pointing to the Bible. And um, we were looking at a psalm. And the psalms, as you know, are not that easy to understand. And I said to him, you need to speak to someone. And I felt he needed to speak to a man. So we asked somebody from the church if he would sit with this man and just talk to him, which they did. And he's gone off. I gave him a Bible because he didn't have a Bible uh, of his own. He's gone away. I'm just looking forward to him coming back on Wednesday to see where he's going. Fantastic. Thank you, Jim. Amazing. <laughs> Exciting, isn't it, when you see how much the Bible means to someone and how it should for each one of us. Psalm 19 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. That's what it is. The Bible refreshes our soul. The words of God refresh our soul. And of course, it's not always an emotional experience when we open our Bibles. Usually, it's probably not actually day by day as we read our Bibles. Um, uh, but it's not about emotions. It's about replenishment. It's almost like when Jan said she gets refreshed by eating food. Reading our Bibles is like replenishing our souls feeding our souls. That's what it is when we read our Bibles. It's about restoration, about getting a new perspective on life when things become overwhelming, getting God's perspective, getting direction from God, receiving direction from God. And as we open the word of God, it refreshes our souls as we understand what God's will is for our life, um, not just trying to do it on our own. There's a great um, little story in the Bible and we'll know it, some of us will know it well, of these two very discouraged disciples as they're walking along on the road to Emmaus. And uh, they'd lost all hope. Jesus, the one they'd put their trust in, their faith in, had been crucified. They didn't know that he had, been, he had risen from the dead, and they were discouraged, they were downhearted. Then Jesus began walking alongside them, and they didn't even recognize that it was Jesus. But what he did was he opened the word of God to them and he started to tell them all the scriptures that spoke about his death and his resurrection, about his sacrifice. And afterwards, he said to them, they said, the disciples said, didn't our hearts burn within us? Didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? 
They got a godly perspective. They were discouraged. They were downheartened. Jesus reminded them of the promises in the word of God. I wonder if you've ever read the Bible and suddenly a verse or a passage just jumps off the page to you. It like, it's like it really hits you. You might have like read that bit, that passage of scripture time and time again. And yet in that moment, in the situation you're going through at that time, it seems like it leaps off the page to you. It speaks to you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit right at the end about a passage that did that for me this week. It changes you. That's when you get that refreshing from the word of God when God's speaking to you through his word, when it's like it literally just leaps off the page and you think, that's for me. That's what God is saying to me. God's word revives us. It brings us back to life again. I just challenge you this morning that if you don't want to be revived, if you don't have any interest at all in being transformed or not knowing God's will for your life, then don't open the Bible because it has something to say to all of us. Every single one of us, it gives us direction, it gives us our purpose. If we want purpose, if we want direction, if we want our life to have meaning, then start reading it. Let's start reading it and let's start applying it. Let's contemplate it, let's ponder it, let's think about it. Let's put verses up in places that we can just keep being reminded of those things. Lucy said to me that she took up the challenge a few weeks ago and she's memorizing a verse a day. You know, just really try and get it into ourselves. Think about it. Let it, God's word really sink into our hearts and our lives. Let it transform us and refresh our souls. Secondly, refreshing comes from selflessness. From selflessness. We'll find refreshment when we think of others' needs more than our own. And this is something that we hear time and time again, and yet it's so countercultural to think of others before ourselves. You know, we live in a selfie culture, don't we? A day where selfies are just everywhere. I am the queen of the knee selfie, okay? My children laugh at me because I take my phone out of my bag and I click it, and then I've got hundreds of photos on my photos on my phone of my knee or my floor or my foot where I've just taken hopeless selfies. Um, but everybody is obsessed with it, aren't they? All over social media. I get excited when I get three likes on a, on a picture rather than two likes, you know. But lots of people, you know, um, it's hard, isn't it, not to fall into the trap of, oh, they got 10 likes. I only got one like. And the, you kind of gauge your popularity. I don't understand at all what is attractive about a trout pout. Okay, I don't get it. If you don't know what a trout pout is, Andy Wade's looking confused. Can, if you do know what a trout pout is, can you do one now? No one can do it. Like, like I, you know, when you do your, when you do your selfie, like your Kissing on the phone, yeah? You know what that is? We all know what that is. People, I don't know why they feel the need to do that when they take a photo of themselves, but they go from smiling to like that, don't they? Really, really quickly. I don't get it. I don't get that culture. Check out these guys' Instagrams if you want to have a look later on and you will see the, what it looks like. Um, but that's what it is. I don't get it. I don't know what that's all about. Um, but the truth is, okay, we spend so much time thinking about ourselves and actually we need to stop and start thinking about others and the needs of others instead of ourselves because it refreshes us. It refreshes us spiritually. 
That's what it does. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 11, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's a promise from God. When we refresh others, we ourselves will be refreshed. As you're giving to others, you'll find that you're replenished. What can we do for others over these next couple of weeks? We can volunteer with the toy sale. There's Chris. Give me a wave, Chris. Look, there you go. You can volunteer at the toy sale. See, Diane, you could make a cake for a Wednesday cafe. That would be fantastic. You could help in the children's ministry team. You could serve on tea and coffee rotor. You could take someone out for tea or coffee. You know, there's loads of things that we can do that is putting the needs of others before ourselves. Sometimes it takes a bit of sacrifices. Let's look for those opportunities. Thirdly and finally, we are refreshed by prayer. We are refreshed when we pray. We know all these things, and yet there are really strong foundations for our lives. There is refreshing power in prayer. Why do we put off prayer? Why do we avoid praying? Well, I'm going to give you some of the challenges and excuses that I make in my own life. Maybe it's just me, and you can look at me as a terrible person, um, but maybe you can relate to some of these yourselves as well as to why we don't pray. Often I don't pray because I don't think I have the time, okay? I haven't got the time to pray. I think God knows how busy I am, and lots of little arrow prayers that I send up all the day, while they're good... I haven't got time to sit and spend time, which I know will really be good for me, and I'm missing out not doing it, okay? Sometimes I think I don't have time. How much time do I spend on social media every day or just on my phone? Latest research says that people check their Facebook, Twitter, or other social media accounts 17 times a day. That's once every hour that we are awake, I think that's quite low, actually. <laughs> I think that we probably do it more than that. Um, once every hour that we are awake. Just imagine that if I took that time aside and I sat and prayed 17 times a day. 17 times a day. John Piper, the founder of Desiring God, he put it this way. One of the great uses of Twitter and Facebook will be to prove at the last day that prayerlessness was not from lack of time. I think that's so true. How true is that? Um, add to that all the hours that I spend binge-watching Netflix or flicking through Amazon for things that I don't really need to buy, but just for some reason I'm looking at a, I don't know, umbrella that doesn't blow inside out. Do you know what I mean? It's very seems very exciting for half an hour of my day. Um, you know, all these things that we do that we really, you know, really, really aren't very important. We waste so much time. I can't say I don't have time to pray in the day. Um, the fact is we always make time for the things that matter to us. We always make time for the things that matter to us. Maybe we don't pray because we don't actually think it's very important. Oh, we'd never admit that, would we? Prayer's not very important. Maybe we don't. We don't actually say that, but actually we take control ourselves, don't we? We try and work it all out ourselves, but prayer is the last place sometimes we go to talking to God. And actually what we're saying is it's not as important as me trying to do it on my own, me trying to work it out for myself. It's actually very important. Can I say that? It's crucial. Prayer is crucial. What makes it so important? We've heard 
a lot the recent weeks we've been speaking about in different sermons, different messages that have come out about the story in Joshua about the Israelites coming out of the bondage and slavery um, of the Egyptians and moving into the land that was flowing with milk and honey. We've had that story a couple of times over the past few weeks, but there was an obstacle in their path. There was a problem that they had to face, and it was the mighty city of Jericho. It was a problem that they faced, a huge fortress. There was no way that they could bring it down in their own strength, but God said, I will be with you. I will be with you, so he would give them that city. So they prayed and they called on God, and he gave them a battle plan, which I have to admit is a little bit bizarre, okay? But I like the fact that our God is a little bit bizarre, Um, But anyway, um, he's a little bit bizarre. And he said to them, march around the city, yell, pray, blow trumpets. Okay, imagine today if he said, if we said, actually want to rebuild this building. And I said to you today, what God's told us to do is now I'm going to give you all a trumpet. Okay, and we're going to walk around the building and it's going to fall down. Okay, you're going to say, okay, she's lost it now. Okay, she's really lost it now. And imagine that. If I said that to you today, you'd be like, I'm not sure about this. Okay, but this is what they did. They blew their trumpets and the walls of the fortress crashed down and they took control. We, we, we read that and we just read it as, oh, yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> like, what? What is going on here? Okay, but the story doesn't end there. Okay, next, in this story, after that, there was another little city called Ai. A tiny little city, which was much smaller than Jericho, not very difficult to conquer. Should have been easy peasy for them to go in and to take that city. They thought it would be a piece of cake because they'd taken down Jericho. And so they went in and they got defeated. Easily defeated. Why? Because they didn't pray. Because they didn't pray. Because they didn't commit their way to God. We need to pray about everything. We need to pray about everything. Philippians 4 tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. It doesn't say in some things, or only in the big and scary things, or the really tough things, pray. It says in everything, make your requests known to him. You know, we're going to, um, in three weeks' time, have our first Fastball Sunday, and we're going to have an opportunity to pray before we meet together. From half nine, doors will be opened for us to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray. We need to pray to see victory in people's lives, see transformation in people's lives. Anyone can come. We're going to pray together for those mornings. It's going to be so exciting. We need to pray. Big things, small things, everything. We need to pray. Maybe another reason we don't pray anymore, and this is true for lots of us, is that actually we don't think prayer works. Maybe we actually, if we actually admit it, we don't actually really sure that prayer works. I mean, we might not ever admit that, but it can be disheartening, can't it? How many of us have prayed for breakthrough in some area for years and years and years and years and nothing seems to budge? Nothing seems to move and nothing seems to change. Prayer can be tough. It can be really tough. So we need to be encouraged. So Sean, come here. Come and encourage us, Sean. 
to pray. Why is prayer so important? Thanks, Chrissy. Well, prayer's been super important to me. Um, I guess most of you have seen me as a one-armed bandit these last few weeks with my arm in a sling. Um, I had a skiing accident about six months ago and didn't get any better and I had to have major surgery on my right shoulder. I won't go into the gory details, but suffice it to say, when I had saw the post-op report, it ran to three pages. Um, they basically completely reconstructed my, my shoulder, which was just over a month ago. And uh, I was in surgery actually last Friday, literally three days ago, um, having some more work done. But this is what's interesting. Um, the surgeon told me, he said, you should not be anywhere near the recovery that you, I can see in you now. He said, um, your movement in your arm and everything, which I can do, he said, you just shouldn't be able to do it. He said, a month after the operation, what I've done, he said, you shouldn't be able to do it. We talk about reading the Bible, and the other day I was reading uh, Revelation, and Revelation 21.4, it says there'll be no more pain, no more mm -hmm. suffering, no more crying. There's a bit more than that, but no more pain, and that really stood out to me. And I went, uh, as I say, I was in London on Friday uh, having more surgery, and the surgeon is, is an Iranian, so I immediately thought he must be Muslim, maybe he doesn't believe in Jesus, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then an amazing thing happened. Just as I was about to go under general anesthetic, um, he was joking with me and said, what sort of music do you want to listen to when you're asleep? And I said, well, I don't know, hip-hop something? And I thought, no, worship songs. And I said, I actually like listening to worship music. He says, do you believe in Jesus? I said, yes. He said, my son's following Jesus. And he said, you've got to have Jesus in your life. So we spent 30 seconds talking about worship and Jesus just before I went under anesthetic. <laughs> Now, how crazy is that? But it just it said, it said to me, actually, God is definitely here and he's right with me. And um, yeah, I mean, I still have to put the sling on from time to time if it gets a bit painful. But I mean, the movement is way ahead of what it should be. So I can only put that down to prayer. And Jesus is a fantastic healer. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Fantastic. It's good, isn't it, to hear encouraging stories, to keep us going, to keep our faith built up. And one thing that I really believe is important for us to stand is what the objective of prayer is. It's not to align God with our wills of what we want in our lives. It's not saying, God, please do this because I want this. It's actually to align our, us to him, to what he wants to do um, in our lives. God is not like a genie in a magic lamp, okay, who gives you three wishes and you can choose what you like. God is our Father. Father in heaven. He knows what's best for us. He loves us. He's doing what is best for us. And it kind of comes back to point number one. If we're reading and learning and spending time in God's word and understanding the message of the Bible, then it begins to change our desires. It starts to align us with God's desires. And therefore, it changes the way that we pray too, because we start praying into what God's will is in our lives. In three weeks' time, we're going to have this fantastic opportunity to share Jesus with the community around us, not just for one week, but ongoing. And I've been so encouraged over these past few weeks, the people who said, oh, I'm coming, I'm coming on Sunday morning, I'm going to come um, to the cafe. Um, however, what does it need from us? What does it need from us? It needs us to be reinvigorated, to be re-energized, to be excited again about Jesus. 
to be excited about our relationship with Jesus. So that when people come in, you know, Jean's sitting at a table sharing coffee. This is what happened when I met Jesus. You know, you can see it. This is what Sean, this is what Jesus did for me. You know, we can share our stories. We can share what God is doing. It's exciting, um, life-changing conversations. And I would love us all to commit um, in the months ahead just and the weeks ahead just to reading God's word, allowing the promises of God to soak into our lives, to shape us, to commit to putting the needs of others before our own. How will that look? How can I serve? And to pray, to prayer. Let's pray into our lives and into those around us. I mentioned the story of the Israelites going into that little city called Ai and being defeated and doing it in their own strength. I cannot, again, recommend that time of prayer at 9.30 enough on a Sunday morning. You know, every Sunday morning from the first week in November, we will have the church open here for 45 minutes of prayer. There might be a little bit of acoustic worship kind of something going on where we can pray, pray ahead of the morning. Let's be intentional that our conversations are life-changing conversations that people's lives are transformed. You know, as we commit to this, we ourselves will be refreshed. We will know a blessing. We will know a refreshing. How can I be confident of this? Because the Bible promises it. We've heard it this morning. The Bible promises it. I'm going to go off next week excited about the days ahead. Really excited about the days ahead. And I want to just finish off by encouraging you with this little passage that I read this week, which was one of those Bible boinging moments for me, you know, where it jumped off the page to me and made me think, this is the reason why we do it. This is a story um, that was, comes from two kings. And in two kings, we find this story of four men who have got leprosy. Okay? Now, Leprosy was a horrible disease, okay? And these four guys, they stumbled upon a feast in the middle of a famine. And it really gave me a picture here of Shiloh of the feast in the middle of a famine, okay? We are the feast in the middle of a famine. The story goes that the Arameans, they had laid siege to Israel and everyone in the city was starving to death. It says they were so hungry that they were eating donkey heads and dove droppings. Okay, not much of a feast. What a disgusting meal. Can you imagine that? They were eating donkey heads and dove droppings. Leprosy back then was essentially a death sentence. These four guys, there wasn't much hope for them. So they said, this is what it says in 2 Kings 7, if we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there. There's no food there and we will die. If we stay here at the gate, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we will live. If they kill us, then we will die. But we had, they had nothing to lose. They had to take this risk. They had to go and take this risk. But when they arrived at the Aramean camp, they were shocked to find that it was empty. It was empty. There was no, no one there. At some point, the Arameans had heard what sounded like a large army coming for them. 
sound, they thought they heard the sound of an army coming and they thought they were going to be under attack. So they fled. They went off. They went off into the hills. They disappeared. Meanwhile, they'd left their tents all set up with this amazing feast, food in abundance for people to feast at. There was so much food, food as far as the eye could see. So these four men with leprosy, they went there and there was this food. There was an empty camp and there was food and they started to feast and they enjoyed the food. You know, can you imagine being in famine, being unwell, and they ate this food. They were devouring the food. They couldn't believe their eyes. But then they started to feel guilty. They started to feel guilty. They said, this is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. They were keeping the feast to themselves. So they went back to the city where they'd come from, And they told everyone, come, I know where there's food. I know where you can have a feast. And the Bible tells us there was enough for everyone to eat. Everyone was able to eat at the feast. You know what God told me? He said, we're living in a day of famine. We're living in a day of a spiritual famine where you don't hear the name of Jesus anymore. You don't hear the name of Jesus And so often in the church, we feast on God's word. We feast and we fill up our bellies, as it were. We enjoy it. We enjoy hearing God's word. We feast on it. And yet, does it ever occur to us to tell someone outside the walls about the feast that we enjoy? Does it ever occur to us to tell people and share with people all the goodness of God? And you might say, well, I'm not into evangelism. It's not really me. It's not really really my thing. I can't really talk about Jesus. Well, I know that you are great at recommending things because you recommend all the time to us. You tried that Tenefest menu. That's a brilliant one, that one. That's only £20 for three courses, that one, and it's really good. Or, or have you watched this movie? You must watch this movie. Or this Netflix series, you must watch this because it's really good and I loved it. You're really good at recommending things to people. So just recommend Jesus. Try recommending Jesus. Recommend that someone believes in Jesus. You know the greatest way for us to show love to people We talk about it, don't we? Love God, love others, serve many. The greatest way that we can show people that we love them is to tell them about Jesus. Higher than anything else is to tell them about Jesus. Our new plan for Sundays allows the opportunity to learn from God's word, to pray, seek God, put the needs of others before our own needs and what we want And I really believe it's going to result in refreshing, refreshing, refreshing ourselves, refreshing others. As we're refreshed, we refresh others by telling people about Jesus. Can I encourage you over this next fortnight, three weeks, (laughs) can I encourage you over these next few weeks to grow excited about things of God? Start talking about the things of God. You know, I've been encouraged this week, just hearing stories, talk the stories. If God is doing something, tell someone. Start talking about what God is doing in your lives so that it raises faith in all of us. 
It refreshes all of us as we hear what God is doing. Feast on the word of God, ready to share what you've learned, ready to refresh others with what you've learned, and pray. Pray. Pray for God to move. Pray for God to transform lives. 